Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. It's Employee Appreciation Day, Tony. Have you done anything for the staff today? I'm Tony Kornheiser. I refilled the intern's water bowl. You mean his water bottle? No, I mean water bowl. The intern gets a bowl. The intern gets let out of the cage for 20 minutes at a shot. Wow. And then I, out of the goodness of my heart, refill the intern's water bowl. And in turn, the interns are very good to me. Your heart is so, so full. Large, large heart. (laughs) Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, Steph Curry returns. The Clippers dispense with the Rockets, and Chris Sale is very hard on himself. But we begin today with tonight's game in Los Angeles, where you are, Wilbon, between the Lakers and the Bucks, the best two teams by record in the NBA. In their previous meeting in December, the Bucks won by seven in Milwaukee. Both teams went into that game 24 and four. Since then, the Bucks are 29 and five. The Lakers are 23 and nine. Wilbon, who is tonight's game more important for? The Lakers, Tony. I mean, you don't want to just go over against the top teams. And right now, they're over three against the Clippers and Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, who has more pride than LeBron James? You don't want to go over against these teams. And I realize it doesn't really, you know, you start to count over in the playoffs with series play. But that's not what LeBron James will be happy with. I mean, they want this game tonight, and then they play the Clippers on Sunday. This is a, a, a tag team weekend, and you really it's hard to separate the two. Right. But since we're talking initially about tonight's game, I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks come in here with a little bit of swag and playing with some house money, and the game is more important to the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'm a little bit surprised that you would say that for this reason. You have expressed doubt about Milwaukee all season long, that they're not as good as their record would indicate. If they were to go to Los Angeles and beat the Lakers, that would eliminate the doubt from you and most other people. They can do something akin to a coup by winning this, and yet you still say the Lakers. I agree with you. I mean, I think it's the Lakers. The reason I think it's the Lakers is because you don't want to go 0-2 in these two games because at that point... You're looking at the two other best teams in the league, and you're saying, can we really beat them? So, Tony, Tony, I, you're right. I have felt that way all year long about Milwaukee until just recently. I thought the win in Toronto was a big deal for Milwaukee a little bit ago. Yeah. And I'm backing off that some. Because, listen, you need to back off if a team shows you. You know, with the, the, our English teachers would tell us, don't tell me, show me. The Milwaukee Bucks are showing I mean, they, they, and I know they lost the game in, in Miami, but they are winning the tough games, beating the tough teams. And so I think this is on the Lakers now to win this game and even up Can that I series. Say, just have a little something going I on I look Sunday. forward to LeBron winning this game and then at the end of the game saying to Antetokounmpo, top three, really? Top three? Get out of here. That's better, what I look forward you, you, to. You certain he's going to win it? No, not certain at all. Okay, I'm just, I'm just axing, as they say. Tony, as I told you late in yesterday's show... The Houston Rockets and their small ball or micro ball or whatever junk they're calling this now was going to be no match for the Clippers, even though the game was being played in Houston. And they weren't. The Clippers crushed the Rockets, forcing them to miss 35 or 42 three-point shots. Houston's small players were no match for the Clippers' bigger, more talented, more defensive-minded players. 
Tony, if you're Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, what are you thinking today? Well, first of all, I'm glad that you remember what you said on the show yesterday. And apparently you don't remember that I also said even before you that I did not think Houston would win that game. But good, you know, it's fine that you remember what you said. What are they thinking today? Yeah. There's only one thing that they can think. This is the business we have chosen. They went small deliberately. They thought that was their path to some sort of greatness. And it would be... It would be because they take, they should take 53s, but they got to make 23s. If they don't, they cannot win. This is a solitary game though, Mike. If they came out and they were hot, and I mean, they were awful. At one point, they missed 23s in a row. But if they had hit 23s, they'd have won that game. They have to be committed to this because there's no plan B for them. This is all they got. That's right. There's no plan B. No. And the problem is too often, and I've had coaches and players point this out, who are critical of the Rockets, there's no plan B. Right. Too often, they think. And so I, I agree with them, Tony. Look, you're right about the number of threes they have to make with Tone. There's too many games where they go long stretches, quarters without making threes. Then they can't win. tell me, can't win that they way. can't. No. Listen, I, I mean, the, the feeling to me from the people I've talked to is they can't beat the Clippers with this kind of lineup. They can't beat the Lakers. They might not even beat Denver. They they might not beat Oklahoma City, which has got some tenacity. If they play a tenacious defensive team, they're going to struggle because they have a plan A, that's and right. that's it. I, and, and so I'm, and I get that. I don't know what they're thinking today. But on those nights, when those shots drop, they can they beat win. anybody. Yeah, they anybody. Can. Okay. On those nights. On those nights. There's too many of the other nights. The Washington Redskins have agreed to let their seven-time Pro Bowl tackle, Trent Williams, try to make his own deal somewhere else. Williams refused to play for the Redskins this past season because he had no faith in the team's medical staff. New coach Ron Rivera, who hoped to placate Williams, reportedly met with Williams for five minutes and then moved on. (laughs) Five minutes. Wilbon, has this worked out for either side? This has been dreadful for both sides. The Washington Redskins are going to have to put a new left tackle out there to try to protect their court. Well, either the new, new quarterback they've taken the draft, we don't believe that. Or the quarterback who's still new, who's only going to be starting his second season. So they got that problem. Left tackle. Protect the quarterback's blind side with somebody brand new. And, Tony, Trent Williams walks away from... I don't know, $10 million or so. He's not going to make that money up. More money. He's not some commercial success where he's going to be out there on national TV campaigns. That's not Trent Williams. So, so it's, it's been a disaster for both parties. Uh, and I agree with that. I'm going to take the contrarian point of view in this regard in terms of who might do better down the road. The Redskins can do well in this sense. Trent Williams refused to play for them last year. So he was nothing. They got nothing for him. Now they might get a player or something for him, and they had nothing for him for the whole season. And they get a cap relief of $12.5 million, which gives them $71 million to work with. And I think you agree with me that Ron Rivera has walked in there. He hasn't wasted a lot of time on old stuff. He's cut a bunch of guys that he thinks are no good. He told Trent Williams, if you want to go, go. I actually think... I can be optimistic about his reign there. And they got rid of the GM. You know, he's I know, gone. Tony, but, but will this regime know how to pick players? We don't know that. Don't know that yet. I mean, I mean, the Redskins have had 20 years and multiple regimes worth That's of right. just bad You're right. judgment. You're right. So I don't know. It's a disaster. Tony and Trent Williams, man, he can't. He just, how do you get that back in pro football? You don't. The Red Sox are certainly not about to part ways with ace Chris Sale. 
Red Sox Nation is terrified about losing Sale for the more than two weeks, which is the minimum time he's supposed to be out with a sprained flexor in his pitching elbow. Nobody is more disappointed than Sale, who said, quote, I couldn't possibly feel worse about any situation I've ever felt in my entire life. Plain and simple, I don't think I've ever let anybody down this hard, ever. And that sucks. Honestly, that sucks. Someone gives you something because they believe in you. They expect something from you, and you don't live up to that. Close quote. Wow. Tony, Sale being too hard on himself? No, I don't think so. It sounded sincere to me. I mean, you got to remember that the Red Sox signed him to an extension of five years for $145 million, and he can't get out there. And he wants to get out there. I mean, well, he's taking accountability for the fact that he took the money with all good intentions. He got hurt. Wasn't his fault. He wants to get out there and he can't get out there. Now, I think this will play very well in Boston. You don't hear this from a lot of players. Like, let's just go back, for example, to a recent guy in Boston, Kyrie Irving. He didn't say anything like this. <laughs> Chris Sale is saying, hold me accountable. I want to get out there. I want to pitch well. I- I'd love to do it. I- I'm impressed by it, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 of course, I think it's sincere. And I think he's being yeah. too hard on himself. One, he hasn't been pronounced out for the season. Right. And maybe two weeks is a little, you know, mild. And so even if it's a month, and you can get Chris Sale back out there. You want Chris Sale back out there. And here's what you know. You know he's taking this seriously, unlike the guy you mentioned, who said, I'm going to be right <laughs> back here for you people next year. That's a guarantee. Oh, wait. That, that's exactly Oh, wait. You mean Brooklyn exactly right. and Boston yeah. aren't the same place? Right. I had them mixed up. And Chris so Sale delivered. Chris Sale, early on there, struck out the last three Dodgers in a row to save they won the a game. World series. To win, yeah, to win a World Series. They won series. a World Series. Right. In Boston. He's got a ring. Let's take a break. Coming up, is LeBron really not focused on winning the MVP? We're going to ask Brian Windhorst. We'll also ask him why LeBron seems so much more at peace with the Lakers than he usually did with the Cavs. I'm, I think what Chris Sale said. Let's get back into LeBron and the Lakers with a man who's probably sitting actually only about 12 feet from Wilbon right now. ESPN. Is that what it is? ESPN NBA insider, our great friend Brian Windhorst. He's in another room, though. Let's start with this. How satisfied is LeBron with where the Lakers are right now? I think he feels like they're in a great spot. They are playing their best basketball. They've won nine out of their last ten. They've racked up some nice wins over the Nuggets in Denver. Uh, had a nice win against Boston last week. Even the win against Philly this week, um, that was a quality win. I think he thinks they're exactly where they need to be. But I'll tell you what. It's a better question to ask me on Monday than it is today because this is a test this weekend. This is when the big boys come to town, and I'm going to be watching very closely. All right, I want to ask you about LeBron's feeling about the organization, as they would say in the NHL. You wrote the other day that LeBron, in contrast to years past, is happy with what's going on sort of internally with the team. Brian, why? I've never seen anything like it, Michael. I've never seen him shows support to an ownership like this. He has a tremendous relationship with Jeannie Buss, which maybe I shouldn't be surprised about because the Buss family for decades has made it a point of emphasis to have a great relationship with star players, and it's already paying off with LeBron. He has shown nothing but support to Rob Palenka. And by the way, this is a guy who a couple years ago, even after the Cavs won a title and David Griffin had proven that he was really good at that job, called his team out publicly on the record saying, I hope we better improve during the middle of the season here. Hope we're not satisfied. This year, he congratulates Rob Palenka on his contract extension. He's like, we have enough. We're fine. 
even though I don't think that they have enough. And, you know, Frank Vogel, he was their third choice. He, LeBron preferred Ty Lue. He was excited that Ty Lue was going to coach. They don't close the deal and hire Frank Vogel. LeBron's fine with it. Doesn't want to play point guard in Cleveland, comes to L.A. and says, hey, uh, I don't, I, whatever you do, just get me some point guards so I don't have to play it. Now he's like, full-time point guard? No problem. This is a What is it? The, the sunshine got to his brain out here? I mean, what are we talking about, Brian? I, I will say this. I think he loves being a Laker. I, I don't know how he's going to fit in the history of this franchise. It's so complicated with all those numbers up there and all those stars around the midcourt for their titles. I don't know how he could possibly fit into that. He loves it. He loves that his son is out here playing high, highly competitive basketball. He loves being in the sun. He loves being in the media capital of the world. I think one of the reasons why he's put a big smiling face on this whole season, even when they had all those troubles last summer, was because he had some fear, maybe it was 1%, that the Lakers could trade him. Because for the first time in a long time, LeBron did not have leverage. He signed a four-year deal. They could have traded him if they didn't think it was going well. I don't think they ever would have, but they could have. Let me go back to Frank Vogel, because LeBron has a history of getting rid of coaches. (laughs) And that means that the coach who was there probably has to accommodate LeBron in ways that he hasn't had to accommodate other players in his past. Frank Vogel has been an NBA coach before. What is his role in making LeBron as happy as you say LeBron is? He gives LeBron a game plan that LeBron supports, and that's not as simple as it sounds. And Frank Vogel is very easygoing. He's very low stress, very low drama. LeBron has been in a lot of midseason dramas during his uh, career. A lot of them of his own making. Uh, the situation with David Blatt, there was weekly drama. And Frank Vogel takes that away from the coach's side. He's very mellow. Sometimes LeBron has pushed back on him this year. There have been times early in the season where Vogel said, hey, LeBron, you're coming out of the game. And LeBron was like, no, I'm not. And Vogel's like, okay. He didn't make it an issue. And he's found the right balance. Now, because he's got the right balance in March doesn't mean it'll, it'll matter in May. And, and none of this gets them five extra points or an extra game uh, in, in the win column in a playoff series. But I have almost never seen LeBron this content and happy at this point in the season uh, when he knows what's coming in front of him. It's really remarkable to watch. Brian, wow, low stress, low drama. I never worked with anybody like that. I don't know what the hell that must <laughs> please, be like. Please, please. Let me ask this stop. obvious question about LeBron. It seems obvious, but how in the hell is he this good at 35 years old? You know, he was his last year in Cleveland, he was amazing. And because that team didn't have Kyrie and they had some midseason, they, they traded half the roster in midseason and they had some issues, that was overlooked. He played 82 games that regular season. Then he went in the playoffs and, in my mind, had the greatest playoffs of his career. Won two, two game sevens, one of them on the road in Boston, hit two game winners, I mean at the buzzer game winners, and in game one of the finals in Golden State in the famous J.R. Smith forgot to score game, that was one of the greatest playoff performances of LeBron's career. He comes in and punches the blackboard, messes up his hands, is not the same. But that performance, that whole season, led me to believe LeBron's window was bigger than anybody thought. Which is why that even as he limped through last year, I was not ready to say his prime was over. He is not the same player that he was athletically. And I definitely see that against Giannis. And I think we'll see that tonight. He doesn't have the same spring, doesn't have the same explosion, but he can outthink you and he's not afraid of the moment. And that's worth a lot this time of the year. So I'm glad you mentioned Giannis because he's the reigning MVP. Me personally, I think that LeBron's season should make him the MVP. 
Is there a rivalry there? Do you feel a rivalry? Or is the difference in age such that, no, it doesn't exist? Yeah, I don't think LeBron would dignify it that way, even though Giannis has proven that he is an MVP. Giannis hasn't won anything. And similar to early in LeBron's career, LeBron won his first MVP, uh, you know, in, in, his, in his sixth season, fifth or sixth season. He felt like he probably should have started winning them in his third or fourth year. But at the time, the other players in the league and in the media didn't respect him because he hadn't won anything. And for as great as Giannis is, there's a respect issue there because the Bucks haven't won anything. And even if they win 70 games this year, they're not going to look at him with that same eye. Having said that, his statistics are so impressive. He's going to win that MVP award by a, by a margin, even though LeBron's been great this year. And that will prevent LeBron from getting under his skin. You know, uh, that'll keep LeBron, that'll keep LeBron on his edge. Kobe didn't really extend his relationship with LeBron until he was no longer competing with him. And I sort of feel the same way. I don't think you're going to see LeBron show a lot of respect to this younger generation until he's no longer competing with them. All right, Brian, we'll get you out of here on this. The Lakers face the Clippers on Sunday. So these are two big games in a row, as you alluded to before. In your mind, who is the bigger measuring stick for them, the Bucks or the Clippers? I know that Will Bond agrees with me because we just talked about this. This Clippers game is super-duper important, arguably the most Huge. important regular season game Huge. left on the whole schedule. Because the Clippers, frankly, have been beating the Lakers since last summer. They beat them on Kawhi. They beat them on opening night. They beat them on Christmas Day. They beat them on the Marcus Morris transaction. They beat them to Reggie Jackson. At some point here, the Lakers are going to have to start beating the Clippers in something. And here we have a situation where both teams are rested. Both teams, knock on wood, are going to be healthy, assuming the Lakers make it out of, of this game. Both teams are hot. The Clippers have won six in a row. The Lakers are in their best stretch of basketball. No excuses. Strength on strength. No travel issues. You're playing at home. Let's see what you got. Big boys on big boys. And the Lakers need to get a W in their column. Deeply appreciated, Brian. Thank you so Thank very you, Brian. much. Thank, Thank you, guys. I'm hanging out with you. Let's take one last break. Still to come, the NBA drops a big fine on Mark Cuban. Pocket change, Tom. Pocket change. How should the Dubs feel about Steph Curry's return last night? It's all here in California, Tony. All the basketball is here. Why aren't you here? I don't know. I don't like going anywhere. <laughs> I like staying there, home. There's an That's answer. Like. Happy time, people. Happy 48th birthday, Shaquille O'Neal. Everybody loves Shaq. One of the reasons everybody loves Shaq is that he's willing to let the joke be on him. This was evident in his recent lost bet to Dwayne Wade. The consequence is that Shaq had to reveal his true hairline. But as we know, that is not his hairline. That is some sort of dye. Because no one has a hairline like that in the history of the world. Happy birthday. I don't care about hairlines. So Shaquille's got a restaurant right behind the studio here, Tony. That's where I'm going to go to get a little lunch. You should join me. Oh, wait. You're back east. Yeah, I'm not in Florida with you. Happy anniversary to the USFL. On this day, 37 years ago, the league made its debut. That league had a chance. It had money and star players. It had Doug Flutie, Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly, Steve Young, and Reggie White. What killed the league was that after its third year, it sought to change from a spring league to a fall league to directly yep. compete with the NFL. This was stupid. It led to a lawsuit, which the USFL won, but only received $3 in compensation and folded shortly thereafter. Yeah, that was sort of a death to smoochie situation, Tony, with the with that league, but I remember watching it. It was exciting at times. It was. The melancholy trails to Henri Richard. 
the pocket rocket, the younger brother to the rocket, Maurice Richard, died today at the age of 84. Henri Richard was a 10-time All-Star and a Hall of Famer in his own right. He just wasn't the best hockey player in his family. But he holds a number that Maurice Richard does not. The 5-foot-7-inch Henri Richard was on 11 Stanley Cup champions in Montreal. Nobody else in the history of hockey has that many. Not Gretzky, not Jean Beliveau, not Gordie Howe, not Bobby Orr, not Bobby Hull, not big brother Maurice. When he was a little kid, Tony, Henri Richard, would, people would ask him what he wanted to do. He'd say, I want to be a plumber. He'd say anything. He was scared to reveal. All he wanted to do was play for the Canadians with his big brother, who was 15 years older. There was a five-year overlap, but he finally got to do it, and they won. Yeah, how did it work out? Let's go to the yeah. big finish. Steph Curry do it. at 23-7-7 and in his return. Are you impressed? Especially impressed with his spirit, Tony, but he hit a couple of dramatic Steph Curry-like shots. It was great to have him back. It really is. The NBA denied the Mavs protest of their February 22 loss to Atlanta. Find owner Mark Cuban 500 large for ripping the refs on Twitter. Your thoughts? Uh, this commissioner hates him just like the last commissioner hated him. Aaron Judge has a stress fracture in his first right rib. He'll be reassessed in two weeks. Is that a big deal? Well, yes, his surgery to remove the rib is not off the table. And this whole thing dates back to an outfield dive in September. Tiger will not play the players, Tony. You better start getting concerned. Yeah, I don't think you want to walk in cold to Augusta, even when you own that course. Last one, North Carolina at Duke tomorrow. You're smelling upset. Least glamorous matchup between those two that I can remember maybe ever, Tony. We're out of time. We'll try to do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts. Jared Freed, shout out. Enjoy Florida, Mike.